1, so you're welcome to turn to Psalm 1. And we're taking a little break today is from Galatians and from the Easter message. We only have about a month left in Galatians, but I was looking to what are we going to do after Galatians, and what are we going to do as we start getting into summer? And I was getting excited as I was looking to a new series, which is going to be called A Summer in the Psalms, or Songs of Summer. And we, we all have those songs of summer that come to our mind, and we think of these melodies, these lyrics, which to us, it just speaks summer. Now, some of you, maybe it's you drive down the road with your windows down and country music blaring. Some of you, maybe it's you're listening to hymns. Some of you, maybe it's, um, maybe it's listening to contemporary worship music. Whatever it is, you have songs of summer. Well, I want to get our mindset changed a little bit, and I want us to look to the psalms through the summer. And with doing some of this preparation, I just got stuck on Psalm 1. So I wanted to just take one week before we hop in back into Galatians. I wanted to look to Psalm 1. Now let me start with this, this illustration. You see, the Declaration of Independence states that one of the reasons for the formation of this country, this great country we live in, this society we call America, was to be able to engage in the pursuit of happiness. And Americans are certainly engaged in that pursuit. However, we all have our own way of doing so, apparently. We all love to ride around through the summer with our windows down listening to music, right? Actually, I don't get much time to listen to music because I have a great blessing of living two minutes from the church. <laughs> but I do make a point to listen to music in my office some days. But here's the thing. Everybody has their own ways of finding happiness in this world. And that's by our own constitution, our Declaration of Independence, partially just one bit of why we were created, why this Declaration of Independence was created to be able to engage in the pursuit of happiness. For some, this might be money. For some, this might be power or prestige or fame. Some just want to live their life without any cares in the world, and to them, that is a happy life to live without any cares. For some, a happy life is living in the rat race. They just can't stay busy enough. They, they can't stand downtime. Some look for happiness within themselves. Some look for happiness outside of themselves and try and find their happiness through other people. Whatever it may be, though, we need to see that there's only one true way to happiness. Because you see, power and fame and money and all these things, prestige, they don't bring happiness. In fact, one philosopher of men, Voltaire, was who was very accomplished, he wrote, I wish I had never been born. A very accomplished man, a philosopher, a, a very knowledgeable man made that statement. It's not in money. Many millionaires will tell you that all the money in the world cannot buy happiness. One millionaire was quoted, I suppose I am the most miserable devil on earth. It's not in position or fame. It's not in power. You see, Napoleon... I love this quote, Napoleon, or the man that at one time certainly possessed great power. And yet while he was a prisoner, he's quoted to, to have said this, Alexander, Caesar, and myself founded great empires, but on what did we find them? We found them by force. Jesus Christ alone founded his love, and today, on love, and today there are millions who would die for him. 
And that's not my statement. That's supposedly a quote from him. Solomon summarized man's efforts to pursue after happiness best when he said, Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, which is roughly translated, all is meaningless without God. You see, man's effort to find happiness by his own means and methods is just so much chasing after the wind, he said. A morning mist, a vapor, and then it vanishes. So this morning, we're talking about blessed. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about the way of the righteous. But what really should man pursue to find happiness? How is a man truly blessed? That's the question we're going to answer here in just a moment. As we look to the way of the righteous. But before we go any further, let's read from Psalm chapter 1. I do have it up on the screen for you this morning. But we do have Bibles in front of you. And you're always welcome to use your own Bibles as well. Psalm chapter 1, we read this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Perish. My main theme and idea for you today, and the question which, the answer to the question of how do we find this bliss, how do we find this happiness, is here. We must find your delight, find your delight in life from the Lord's instructions for life. Find your delight in life from the Lord's instructions for life. You see, people are so busy trying to find happiness their own ways. Let me remind you that just a few short years ago, a man by the name of Pharaoh Williams became famous with the song titled Happy. And how easy is that to find when somebody's looking for a song to make them feel happy, and they just think, oh yeah, remember that happy song? Well, there was a video to go with this song. They actually had a website devoted to this song, which was nonstop playing of 24 hours a day of just people dancing along the street to the song Happy. And trying to act like they're happy. Trying to act like this song made them happy. Now get this, this song alone, and I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking, not even talking about that 24-hour website and how many views it might have had. But the song's video on YouTube, I checked just this week. That song's video on YouTube alone has over 1 billion views. I think it was something like 1.2 or 1.1 billion Views. And that's just that one video. How many other videos are across the web of this song now? And why? Why are there so many views? Because people are looking for things to make them happy. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, parties, cookouts, grilling with your friends, other social gatherings, going hunting, going fishing, movies. The big movie out right now that many are going to see, book clubs, other clubs, whatever it might be, all of these things may not be totally, totally created for this, but people do them because they think it makes them happy, don't they? 
The problem is that none of these things really give you a permanent happiness. None of these things will give you permanent happiness. We need to look to the instruction book that God gave us to find that permanent happiness. And that's where we start with, with this reading. And let me just go back here to the beginning of Scripture. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. I'm going to stop there. You see, I want to look at just a few key words here in this. Now, Psalm 1 is a psalm which I recently heard one pastor give eight weeks. It might have even been nine weeks. Just preaching through this one psalm, six Bible verses. He gave more than one week per verse. Isn't that amazing? It is to me how much we can get out of words. Words are powerful. And that's why we need to think through what our words are saying to people around us. What our actions are saying to people. But I want to start with that word blessed. And this word may sound very familiar to you as Jesus himself spoke on this blessedness of life. In Matthew 5, verse 2 to 12, he's talked about the blessedness in his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Where he read, where he spoke, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it goes on. But blessed is a word which we should all hold dear to us. You know why? Because blessed, the very word blessed in Hebrew is roughly translated, translated and the Hebrew word is ashar. Ashar. And it is spelled A-S-H-A-R. Ashar. And that word actually means happiness or bliss. Happiness or bliss. So as we read through those, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We see one other thing. Not only are they happy, but that blessed has more of an extensive meaning to happiness. That blessed is a type of permanent happiness. Blessed means permanent happiness. Now, there's many other ways that people would use that word, but that's what I want to use it with today. You see, the, this type of righteous living leads to us not just having happiness, but permanent happiness. Righteous living leads to permanent happiness. But wait, how can righteousness living, righteous living lead to a permanent happiness? Because doesn't Romans 3.23 and many other scriptures tell us none is righteous, no, not one? I mean, am I righteous? Are you righteous? Is anybody ever really, truly righteous? I think there's a catch here. You see, none of us are truly righteous on our own. But it's because of Jesus Christ and his life, his death, and his burial that we spoke of last week that we can be seen as righteous. We are righteous when we look to the hope that we have through Christ himself. We are righteous when we look to living as he would want us to live. We are righteous, most importantly, though, the way of the righteous is when we live according to God's ways, according to the law of God. So the sermon for today is called The Way of the Righteous. And it is because, yes, we can be seen as righteous. The way of the righteous is to be following and making your life more and more like the one who is and was righteous. And that is Jesus. The way of the righteous is to live how he lived. The way to live the way of the righteous is to live according to God's law. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment. But although we can attempt to live as he did, we do need to realize 
that we truly are never righteous on our own. The way of the righteous is a way of living in the hope of the future and not simply a reality of the present. The way of the righteous is to live beyond oneself. To live in the hope that we now have as believers. Believers. We must live in the ways of him who is and was righteous. And we must live in the law of the Lord. Now back to the Psalm 1 though. Blessed is the man who... We're going to stop there. Who? I know we're not getting very, uh, very far, very fast, but I would just want to stop there at who. Because I think it's important to see these words which make us stop. Blessed is the man who. We should know that this scripture is about to speak to us in a way which we need to apply to our life. Who is this who? What does this matter to our life? It's also a good moment to realize that Psalm 1 is an introductory psalm to the entire book of Psalms. Not just that. Psalm 1 is what would be called a wisdom psalm. This is going to give wisdom to the who. It's going to give wisdom to us. Then the psalms as a whole gives us much, much wisdom. But not always in the same way. You see, some of the psalms speak about thanksgiving, about praise, about glory and honor to God. Some of the psalms preach about lamenting. Some of them speak about pilgrimage, protection, salvation. Some of them speak about conviction. But we start with blessed is the man who. And this separates the who into one of two. You see, all of us are one of two spiritual categories. We're all in one of two. There is no third option. So let's read this once more. Let's read on. Who are the blessed? Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of God. And on his law he meditates day and night. So here we have instructions, but we also have a warning. We have three great warnings for us. Blessed is the man who, and this is instructing, but it's also warning. Blessed is the man who, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, does not, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of scoffers. I think it's important to notice the progression there too. You see, as we see walking, we see standing, and we see sitting. And I try to apply this to our life. I think often, too often, we walk around and we tiptoe around and we dance with the enemy. We dance around life doing things that we know that maybe we shouldn't do, but we can make it sound legitimate. We can make it sound okay in our head. We can reason it away to say it's okay because I'm not sitting down. I'm not staying here. I'm just dancing around. I'm just walking. But here we're told, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We need to be careful in our walk. But here's the problem. As we walk around, as we dance with the enemy... Far too often, then we start standing around. Because if you're like me, as I'm walking around, I start talking with people. And I say, hey, how you doing? I do say that a lot. How you doing? And then what's the natural thing? If you really care to hear about how people are doing and what they're doing with their life, you stand. You stop. You listen. And then maybe you feel like that person is particularly interesting or they have this great answer. Plop. You sit, don't you? I'm not going to preach from sitting down because you can't see me. But here's the point. We sit down. 
And we make ourselves comfortable because the world has a way and Satan has a way of luring us in and making us comfortable, making us live in a way which we think, oh, I don't need to obey all these rules. I don't need to obey all these laws. I can just live the comfortable life. But the comfortable life does not lead to a life of prospering in God's word and his hope and his joy. The comfortable life and living according to the world's way lives to a life which is perishing. Meanwhile, your very soul is crying out as you're sitting down, stand up, stand up, stand up, walk away, run away. But once we're sitting, it's hard to get up, isn't it? I know for me it is. Once you're sitting, you recline your legs, you recline your feet, it's hard to get up. To walk in the counsel of the wicked means to hear and follow the advice of those who do not follow God's advice. You're following the advice of the people who, who are not God-like. So we need to apply this to our life. And I'm not done. This is just a, kind of a mid-application here. But who do we get our counsel from? Who do we get our advice from? Who do we get our guidance from? Especially in a world where today we try and find so much happiness through other people. Through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, through our co-workers, through our cookouts, through our parties, through our fishing buddies, our hunting buddies, our book clubs, whatever it might be. Do you find your advice, your counsel, through people who are looking to God's word? Through people who are looking to the law of God and delighting in it? Who do you look to for counsel? Where do you get your advice? We need to turn to God and God's people and follow his ways. Proverbs 12, 26 if you're taking notes, says this, Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I really like this one. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25 adds to this when it says, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Let me read that again. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. You see, the people who we hang out around in our life are influential upon life. The people who you hang out with, they impact your life. They change your life. And they either change your life in a positive way or a negative way. And even if you think of yourself as the leader, that you're going out and reaching these people, or you're going out because you want to impact their life, you're still going to be hanging around them enough that they're going to also be impacting your life. So we need to be careful of how we allow them to impact our life. Now, this is not saying that the blessed man should not try to reach out to sinners. It's not saying that the blessed man doesn't need to be in the world. We do need to be in the world not of the world. It's also not to say that we need to hate the sinners. We need to love the sinners, but we need to love them so much that we do go to them. But we go to them as the ones that want to give them the advice from God's word, from the law of God. We go to them as ones that delight in his word and want to share that very word with them so that they can find delight. Now, I love that word, and I think I need to move on here. Let's see. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I love that word, delight. Because when I think of the word delight, I think of a big piece of chocolate cake. I had a big piece of chocolate cake yesterday. It wasn't very good for the, how I've been watching what I've been eating. 
Um, I've lost about 10 pounds by eating salads and eating green stuff. Can you believe it? But every once in a while, you've got to have a piece of cake. And I delighted in that piece of cake. I think of delight, and I also think of C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, where the boy had uh, Turkish delight, is what it was called, Turkish delight. I don't even know what Turkish delight is, but it sounds delightful, doesn't it? But here's the problem with delightfulness. That type of delight that boy had led him astray, didn't it, in The Chronicles of Narnia. If I remember the story correctly, it allowed him to stop walking in the way he should go towards his sister. And instead, it made him stand and sit with the enemy. So we need to be careful. What are we delighting in? We need to be delighting in God and his word and following after him. The word delight, though, is one of the most powerful heart's fillings or emotions. I think it's hard for us to truly picture or explain away. Because it's not something we can necessarily picture. It's something that we feel. It's something that you feel, and it changes your life in one way or the other. If you delight with the enemy and things they give you, you can delight, though, in things that lead you to perish. But if you delight in the law of the God, it's going to lead you to a life which prospers, a life which is like a tree planted near streams of water that will never, never dry out. It will create in you a life which flourishes in a way which you bear fruit. We need to meditate on the law of the Lord. We need to meditate on it day and night. Now, why do we meditate on it day and night? How do we meditate? Now, I want to point out that when this was wrote, there wasn't a published book, a binded book called the Bible. People needed to meditate on God's word. God's word was manuscript form. It was passed down generation to generation. And as we read that he would meditate on it day and night, we should be envisioning somebody that was not necessarily reading it because they might not all have manuscripts or copies of God's word unless they somehow copied it down. We need to picture somebody who is meditating on it in a way that they were, rem they were remembering something that was dearer to him. Them. They were remembering something that was so powerful to them and it wasn't just read off a piece of paper, but it was remembered as stored memories in his mind. So why do you think you would meditate on it day and night? Well, I think there's several reasons. One, as we think about this for a moment, not only would it be good just to meditate on the law of God every day, day and night, so that we can keep ourselves accountable and make sure we're living according to his ways and his instructions, but two... With no books, movies, radio, this is not just a way that they entertain themselves, but this is how they would keep God's word memorized so that they could pass it down from generation to generation to their children, to their families, to their friends. If we're not meditating on God's word daily, we forget God's word daily. We fail to meditate today. I truly think we do. You see, they didn't have the blessing that we have. Again, maybe it's one of these things we delight in, in good ways and bad, called Google and Siri and the Internet or the World Wide Web. We have so much technology at our disposal that we never think we need to meditate. We never think we need to memorize God's Word. And you know what? I struggle with memorizing God's Word. I've got terrible memory. I've got my notes in front of me word by word. But we need to be striving to meditate on God's word day and night because this is how we remember it and we don't forget it. This is how we apply it to our daily life. How do you apply it to your life? 
if you don't know it. We need to be delighting in the law of God. Now let me for a moment also talk about that. The law of God, as we read this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We're not just talking about law as a book of rules. We're not just talking about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not commit adultery, and so on. We're talking about all of God's instructions for your life. Now, specifically here, I also point out that this is used as an introduction to the book of Psalms. So it's also speaking specifically to be looking to the Psalms. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And as we look to the book of Psalms, we can see in many ways that it delights, brings delight to our life. We can see in many ways that we are blessed, we are happy, we have a permanent happiness, true happiness. A righteous way of living through looking at God's word. You know, just this week, I went to see Selma Velarde at the hospital when she was there. And we praise God she's home from the hospital. In fact, did I see her with us here today? I think I saw her back there. Great. Thank you, Selma. It's great to see you. I promised Selma that I would not put up here any of the pictures that we took of her in the hospital. But then her husband took a video. I'm not showing the video either. But Mel can show it to you. You see, I, I went into the hospital, I'm thinking, what am I going to read to her? And instead of reading some of my normal stuff, talking about how God's going to heal us, God's going to help us, whatever it may be, I went to Psalm 100. You see, true happiness, righteousness, a blessed life will never be found in the things of the world. It's found in his word, in his instructions for life. And we can be delighting ourselves in the law of the Lord, not, not only in times of good times, but in bad times, too, we can find a permanent happiness. So we are reading through Psalm 100, singing praises to God. And then don't you know it? Right down the hallway, here comes a group of ladies singing to room to room to the patients. And we just recognize this great power in God's word that God, God's word reminds us not just to lament, not just to be frustrated or have anger, not just to pray for healing, but to also pray for salvation, but also pray that we praise God and we glorify him and we honor him and we can praise God in all circumstances, at all times. If you know God's law, you can have a permanent happiness in all circumstances. You can be blessed. You can live in the way of the righteous because we know that this is not the end. We know we don't have to lament because we have a greater way of living. The law of the Lord reminds us of many things. The law of the Lord which is God's instructions for us, God's instructions for our life, it's, it reminds us that God is our refuge, our strength, our shield. God is our provider, our healer, our guardian. God is the one who gives us peace. God gives us comfort. But God also gives us knowledge and wisdom. And God also convicts us when we're going down ways we shouldn't go. Just like this scripture reminds us, God tells us that those who walk in the counsel of the wicked, who sit, who stand, these people are not going to delight in the law of the Lord. These people are going to lead to a life which, which perishes. So this brings me to two points here. Those this psalm we see has two lifestyles described. Each has a very different direction. One lifestyle leads to a blessedness, a permanent happiness, which you should find yourself prospering in and delighting in. 
But the other side, the wicked, the wicked shall perish. Perish. So are we finding our delight in God? Are we prospering? Are we blessed? Are we happy? It only makes sense that we should find our delight by looking to the one who created us and gave us life. It only makes sense that we should find our delight, our delight in life from the Lord's instructions for life. Why do we continue to look to find our delight by people who don't even understand life themselves? God understands life, and that's who we need to look to. So if you are living a blessed life by delighting God's instructions for life, then here's what you need to do. You need to bear fruit. You need to go to others and allow them to take part in this very fruit that you have. You need to use the gifts that God gives you. So as we read on, we read on that he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that wind drives away. And I'm saving that for just in a few minutes. We're talking about chaff. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the congregation of righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, we need to be like this tree. We need to be a tree planted by streams of water yielding its fruit. We need to be like a tree, though, that isn't just planted next to the red cedar or some local stream, not by the Duncan Creek, because those streams might, they could dry up. We need to have our roots planted so deep into the law of God, the word of God, his instructions, following after Jesus Christ, the one who truly is the water of life, that although people might not see that stream beside you, they can see the, the effects of the stream that you are feeding from underneath of you. That is the stream that we need. We can live in the ways of the righteous with hope, joy, and a permanent happiness, but only by staying connected to the true source of water, the true source of righteousness, and that's Jesus Christ and the Word of God, the waters of life. We have the instructions for a happy and blessed life right here in Psalm 1. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand with the sinners. Do not sit with the scoffers, but delight, delight in life from the Lord's instructions for life. By contrast, what is the result of the wicked? They're not rooted. They are like chaff, and the wind drives them away. Now, I had to look up chaff. I don't know if anybody knows what chaff is. Maybe you do, because there are some farmers in here. I see some heads chafing. But chaff is like the dead husk of corn, is what I read. It is the stuff that you peel off desperately. At least me, I don't want even one little strand of that left. I don't even want a little string. I don't want to bite into that. This is the stuff that blows away with the wind and decomposes. This is the stuff that perishes and will be gone forever. This is the stuff that no one wants and you just throw away. It is of no use. That is the wicked. The wicked will be thrown away and they will perish. There will be no more. But those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who delight in God's words, those who follow after the one who was and is truly righteous, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, these are the people who will prosper and will be happy and we'll have a blessed, blessed life of permanent happiness. So the lesson from Psalm 1 and the application I have for you today, the take home, if you haven't gotten enough, is this. 
to live a blessed life, one must be tethered to the law of God. That's number one. I'm challenging you to take notes today because I didn't just write them up on the screen for you. Number one is this. To live a blessed life, one must be tethered to the law of God. So the simplified one, number one is this. Stay tethered to Christ in the word of God. The law of the Lord. Meditate on his word. And when we say meditate, remember that we're not talking about some Eastern worldview or saying, um... We're talking about just pondering, contemplating, reflecting on his word. Now, we have the great blessing of having God's word in front of us. And at all times, I know most of you always have a phone in your pocket. So we always have God's word, but may we meditate on it. Don't simply read it, do our five-minute devotion for the day and think we're done. But make time for silence. Make time to truly just be with God and his word and meditate. Number two. Pick your friends wisely because they will influence and impact your life. Especially your teens or kids who are in here. Make sure you pick your, your friends wisely. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be of, in the world. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be making friends who we can impact their lives as well. For God's word, that we can show them how we delight in the law of the Lord. But pick your friends wisely and know who they are. Number three, be careful where you find your advice for life from. And be careful how you act on the said advice. Before you ask for everybody's opinion, even in an indirect way, make sure you realize where their opinion's coming from. Is their opinion coming from God's word? Is their opinion coming from a godly life? If you look to their life, does it even re represent a life that you should want to imitate? That doesn't mean that they don't have good advice, but we need to be careful. And in closing, I ask that you evaluate your life. Evaluate your life. Maybe you, have, maybe you have made a profession of faith in Jesus, but maybe your life looks a little bit more like the wicked who will perish than the blessed who will prosper. Make a change. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to test yourselves to see if you are in faith. And examine yourselves. In the past couple weeks, I've been greatly despaired by some things I've heard that have happened in this community in a local restaurant. And it's led me to, to say we need to be make, making sure that we are doers of the word and not just readers of the word. We do need to study his word. We need to meditate on his word. We need to find our delight in life from the Lord's instructions for life. But there's the second part of that. It's instructions for life, so we should be living as we are instructed to live. Don't just delight in your meditation, but delight in how you meditate on words that change your way of living. Change your way of living to look like the true righteous one, which is Jesus. Change your way of living to look like the way God wants you to live. I'm going to close, and we're going to sing a song together, but after we sing that song... I'd like to do something a little bit differently today. I purpose